Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Triple header, man. Duke, Duke coach uh, Pollard, and then and now you. So we got All the triple right. header, just as I was saying. Caught me a little off guard. Welcome to our third edition today of the Meeting of the Minds. Been working real hard, and I got a special guest to end it off today, Mr. Nick Bonacore of The Reform Sports Parent. Nick, how you doing today? I'm awesome, Chase. Thank you for having me on. This is awesome. Great way to end uh, the Friday workday. Heck yeah, going to the beach real soon, but uh, try to put in that grind this week since I can't really do anything with my, my classes or coaching. So we got sure. to get better some way, right? Absolutely. And talking to guys like you is something that uh, has been really a blessing to me in the last, I don't know, I've really done it hard the last two weeks, but I've been doing it over the summer since we've been knocked out for COVID. Uh, so I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of great athletes, um, a lot of great coaches, and I've found you on on social media, you know, the reform sports parent before I go into my experience with you, like tell us a little bit about what you do, why you do it and how did it all start? Uh, I'll tell you how it started. I, I started because I, I, I'm part of my language. It started because I just got pissed off. Um, I started getting pissed off at, uh, you know, I have six kids and my oldest is uh, going to be a sophomore in high school. And, um, you know, so I have a sophomore to be a freshman, eighth grader, and then a six year old, a three-year-old and going to be a two-year-old. So we got a full household, but you know, my oldest, I've been coaching them, you know, for years and all their, you know, sports and baseball, all that stuff, football and basketball. They do, they do wrestling, but um, I don't coach a thing of that. I don't know anything about it. And quite frankly, Chase, it started probably about five, six years ago. I just started getting, started hearing things. You start hearing things and, you know, parents and people talking about things like college scholarships at like nine years old or, or more importantly, what started getting me was I would hear parents that really didn't know anything and they weren't they you they weren't trying to act like they knew anything and they were saying things to me like, Well, Nick, if I don't sign my kid up in the fall for baseball, I'd love him to play football, but and he wants to, but I don't want him to lose his spot in this travel team. And I'd say, What the hell are you talking about? What spotter? There's no what do you mean spot? Like, what does that mean? And there's all this fear, like this fear. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And and pull back the layers of the onion and you know, people are telling kids and parents that like, the only way 
So you play ball in college is you got to specialize. You got to do it early. You got to do it year round. And and we're going to charge you out, out the wazoo while we're doing it. But we're not going to tell you that. And, and I think they, they strike a lot of fear. So I, I kept hearing this from people and I got mad and said, I'm just going to start talking because it's not right. It's just 100 percent inaccurate. I play with guys who went to the big leagues who, you know, never moved for multi-sport athletes. So that's that's where it started from. And now here we are. 120 hours of content later, like, you know, just cranking away. And there's a lot of passion on the subject. You know, people want to get the right information out there. So 120 hours of content you've developed and, and you're all over the place, social media wise, Facebook, Instagram, anything else you got that I don't know about Twitter. Just, just uh, I'm on Twitter as well. And I all, I just kind of learning these things as I go. And I've been very, very fortunate to, you know, grow a pretty decent Facebook page and, and, you know, get some people along the way that are passionate that want to see change. So that's where it started from. Just started from, being a parent, you know, being a former athlete and uh, wanting to put uh, my, the right information out there because I felt like there was a lot of information that was just not accurate. So you just felt like parents were being misled. Their their kid wasn't good enough to play. People weren't telling them that. They're just taking their money. Is that is that what I'm hearing? I mean, uh, taking their money. Um, I, that's a good point. You know, as far as parents aren't being told. Yeah, there's definitely an element. And I have a lot of coaches that have gone on the record with me and said, the kids aren't getting to fear. They're not getting told what their true skill level is. And the reason why is, let's face it, you got to be a college athlete, right? We can't just play sports to have fun when we're eight, nine, and ten. It's got to be working towards the college level. But forget about, like, it's got to be a D1 scholarship, right? It's got to be <laughs> D1 or bust. And what people don't know is there's only 11.7 D1 scholarships available at a fully funded baseball program. So, like, one of the funniest stories, Michael Johnson, who's on our advisory board, he played at Clemson. He was at Clemson, uh, was a captain, two-year cl- captain at Clemson, went to the College World Series with him. I think it was in 01, 02, or 02, 03. Uh, but he's one of the, he's in the top 10 of basically every hitting category. He played with Jeff Baker, Khalil Green. He batted fourth in that lineup. He was a stud. I played wow. with him. I played with him for the Wilmington – when we played together, when we played together at the Wil- for the Wilmington Sharks. So I got to become good friends with Michael. And So when we got – I started getting involved with this, I asked him, I said, Mike, you were an All-American, second-team All-American. You went to two College World Series in Omaha. You were you were a scholarship guy, like you were. You got a full ride, and he goes, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, Nick, I got a scholarship. All right, my scholarship was my books. Like ninety percent of the guys in our team, that's what they got. Like their books paid for. There's just no money, but there's this idea that there's all this money in baseball, and it's crazy." Yeah, that's the there's money, but it's just not where it needs to be, right? <laughs> it's, there's definitely not a lot of scholarship baseball money. That's for sure. Athletic scholarship. Right. Right. So. Talking to Coach Pollard today, we 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 talked so much about mindset. He he was so sharp about the mental aspect talk to me about this reform sports parent i mean it's a mindset too some parents really need a mindset shift right i mean i know for i can only speak from my own experience and i certainly did um you know the name reform doesn't come from nowhere and it's easy to get sucked into this culture where you know even someone with me who played four years of college baseball i played a year overseas professionally and i even got sucked into you know kind of living through your kid you know i'm talking to my kid on way home from games as if I am uh, his coach as opposed to his dad. And it's easy to get sucked into that when your ego's involved. So I needed to wake up to the fact that it wasn't about me. You know, it wasn't about me that kids have their own dreams and what I think it should be for them doesn't necessarily what theirs are. So as far as mindset goes, yeah, it's, it's getting that ego out of the way, you know, getting that ego out of the way and remembering it's not about, not about me as a parent. It's about them as a kid. Yeah. The ego heard Mike Tyson talk about that on, on Joe Rogan not too long ago. I mean, once that ego wakes up, it's hard. It's hard to put him down. Um, but there are strategies that can that can you know calm him down a little bit. 
So, so ego and you being a, a D one player, would you say baseball mindset is something um, that's important to be able to shift over to the middle game of sport? Oh my God. Yeah. And I didn't play at the division one level. I played at North Carolina Wesleyan college. And uh, it's another reason why I started this. We were, or D3, D3. no, no, you're good. We played a, uh, I was a, we were a D three. Now we won the division three national title. So we would play, you know, Mount Olive and other Charlie Long, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I was fortunate to be there. Uh, my last year, um, Mike Fox, coach Fox was my, coach my, Fox, my okay. freshman year. Then he took the Carolina job, but we played, went to two college world series when I was there. And anyway, um, the, the, the reason why I bring that up is because it's, repeat the question one more time, as far as what you let it's it mindset in sport, what, how much emphasis is uh, it? I mean, it's huge. It's huge. And, and the reason why is because, uh, you know, just think about, I know for us, when I played at Wesley and it was like, we had a tradition and, and we knew, and it was something that coach Fox and coach Guzzo, all these coaches for years built, you know, into the mindset of us is like, we knew when we showed up to the fields, like, we were going to win. Like, we knew we were going to win. It wasn't if we were going to win. It was how bad we were going to win. Um, we knew we were going to the World Series, and we practiced like that. I mean, Coach Fox, Coach Long, um, we talked about those things. Like, we visualize. You know, visualization is a huge thing. Um, I don't know if it gets talked about enough, but, you know, you visualize. You talk about ring ceremonies. You know, I think Jim Valvano, if you watch, um, you know, Jimmy V, the, the ESPN 30 for 30, he, he had those guys practice cutting down the nets. Right. It doesn't get any more visual. They said that by the time they were doing it, when they won the national title, they had rehearsed this already. And, and that's all about mindset. It's it's you know, I don't want to say faking it till you make it because you got to work really hard. But at the right. same time, you know, you have to be able to work through adversity. Something I cover a lot is 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 getting out of your great coaches lead you when you don't believe you can be led. Great coaches, I believe, push you to places where you don't think you can go in a positive way. And I think a lot of that is driven not by what our physical capabilities are, but where our mind tells us we can and cannot go. And I know from you guys, from, you know, a lot of the work you've done after talking to Gene and, and, and Jake and such, I mean, and Mike Moore, that's a big thing of what you guys do. And there's, there's certainly an element and talk to any of the highest level athletes and coaches. It's being, it's being used every single day. Right. Right. And, and coach Pollard went so far so far as to say he he's that's all he really worries about now he doesn't do the day in day out baseball stuff I mean he's fortunate enough to be sitting on top of Duke I mean a great university prestigious and he can really focus in on getting kids to be the best versions of themselves that they can be and he gives them he, he called it a tool bag what can, and you talked about vis, visualization and I think that would be a tool in the mental bag what other tools do you have well I think it's important to understand like you know I'm 40 years old and I you know I, I don't think I don't know if I would have been as mentally equipped. I was very mature. I was, in, I was insecure. And, and, you know, I don't think it was much as emphasis on mental health as it is nowadays. You know, you know, we have so much info. Imagine having a Twitter account, being a college kid, 18, 19 years old, and having people like grown adults tell you that you're terrible, you know, tell right. you these things. And, and then, tr- you know, and then try to turn that off. Like, especially a sport like baseball, it's hard enough as it is. You start talking to yourself, you know, and that's what we try to talk about when the reformed sports parent is, you know, parents, like, we, the kids don't need you screaming at them from the fence. Like, it's hard enough in any sport. They don't need that pressure. Um, so it's important, I think, for people to understand that that mental burnout, mental exhaustion, mental health is real. Like, those things are real, and it can and it can seriously weigh you down. And But there are, just like exercise with the body, it's like you talk about, there's ways. I've talked to a lot of college coaches who talk about meditation. They use meditation as part of their literally working out. Yeah, 
That's good. It's another tool. I mean, it's it's all intertwined. I mean, successful people are usually having these reset buttons, these things that they can clear their mind with, uh, deep breathing techniques, yoga, whatever. I mean, there's there's a gamut of things out there that people can do. But I think being informed is something they're really not. I mean, they're 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 comfortable being comfortable. They don't want to be uncomfortable. Would you agree with that? Oh my gosh, talk about the saying, Coach Bob Bowman, Michael Phelps's father figure and life coach who's on our advisory board that's like his thing is you know get comfortable he says the coach bowman told me in our interview like the essence of olympic competition is getting comfortable being uncomfortable and you know i can just think about it for me i have six children if you would have told me like you know 10 15 years ago that i have six kids i would have told you out of your mind you know because how many times do people ask you are you ready to have a kid are you ready to have a kid i was never ready to have a kid i have six <laughs> of them now like i don't even know what that means you, you got would, ready quick yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, um, but my point of the whole matter is you don't know what you're done. I don't think until your feet are in the fire. I don't think you know what you're capable of. I think biggest problem I know from my own experiences is I've never been one of those people that likes to back down from a challenge. So, like, one of the things that gets me to overcome some of my, you know, if I have fear, you know, fear of failure or fear of whatever, I think it's important to recognize that that's normal. Like, you shouldn't feel less than because you experience fear. Or, or if you feel uncomfortable, it's almost a matter of knowing that that's part of the process you know it, it, you should recognize that as this okay wait this on the other side of this is going to be growth like i have to work through this because complacency is the killer of any of of let's face it complacency is the killer of athletes it's a killer of businesses it's a you know killer of technology of relationships like if i get con- complacent in my in my marriage like you know and stop bringing my wife flowers occasionally or doing little things that i know she likes well you know, it's like anything. We, we just stagnant. Being stagnant is no good. I'm gra- glad to hear that so many colleges and, and it's becoming something that's on the forefront because it's a major part of becoming an adult and functioning, I believe, at a high level. No doubt. And and we talk about fear, fear of failure. Um, a good friend of mine, Bobby Schreiner, he's a Hall of Fame wrestling coach. He talks about when, when, when you have fear in your heart, you're going to freeze. You're not going to move. And in wrestling, you got to freaking move or you're not going to win. Uh, and then if you have faith, you're going to move. You're going to actually uh, get up from that spot where you're feeling, you know, sorry for yourself or whatnot. And then you're going to actually get some action into uh, your thoughts and stop thinking so much. Um, I think that's important being in the present moment and be able to get out of that, uh, that feeling of stuck. Right. Well, you just used a great word being present, you know, and uh, I know before years ago when, when as far as, uh, you know, I thought just sitting in a room with my kids meant I was present. You know, I thought just being there was present. There's a lot more to being present than just being physically present. There's being emotionally present. There's being, you know, spiritual, like you said, spiritually present and engaging. And and I think as a parent, you know, for me, I need those timeouts. You know, I need to get away from the kids and from everyone's like we all do. But at the same time, when we have that time, it's not about I don't think it's about quantity. It's more about quality. And uh, of course, the more you can do it, the better. But being able to have those engaging moments and, and real quick, I'll tell you a quick story. And it changed my life. You know, I was very, very insecure as a freshman at college at Wesleyan. You know, they had just come back from the World Series. And and Coach Fox, you know, told me, you know, you have an opportunity to play here as a freshman, yada, yada, yada. And I just didn't believe it. I was I was 17 years old. I turned 18 when I got one in the fall. I was a young kid. I just, and I felt young. I felt small. And I just was emotionally not confident at the time. And uh, I never one time, it was during the fall. This was in 98 or 97. I'm sitting down. He kind of waited for me to go out of the locker room. And before I can go out, 
he sat me down, put his arm around me and just looked at me. And he just said, like, almost like a dad talking to his son, like, did you know how good you are? When are you going and, and, and when are you going to wake up and realize that, man, you, you just got to you got to relax. You have all the skills. That need. And he, but nothing. I don't even remember what he said. It was that moment of him just talking to me like I was so in fear of him. I was so scared of him. Like and he didn't do anything to make me feel that way. It was just this intimidation. But from that point on, I've learned. And then you fast forward through my professional life, that relationship, that coach, you know, handling each kid differently. Not everyone is the same. Not the same formula works for each kid. And I think the great coaches go into knowing the makeup and the character and the, of each person from a mental standpoint to get the most out of them. I think that it all ties together. Coach Fox is a master at that, and that's why he's clearly one of the best coaches in the history of college baseball. Man, three for three today, all three episodes talking about relationships. It, it must be pretty important, right? Oh, my God. It's The reason I started the Reform Sports Parent is because I had great relationships from sports. I mean, the bond, the brotherhood, I can talk to – I was texting with one of my buddies, Taylor Williams, who uh, – he was a – we won the World Series together, and then after his sophomore year, I was a junior. He transferred to ECU and played, you know, two years of baseball at ECU. And I was just asking him, you know, but I hadn't talked to him in a long time. I cannot talk to these guys for 20 years. And it's like we're back in the locker room. You know how it is. I mean, it's like you're back in the locker room. That's the power of that camaraderie, that relationship that, you know, if it's just it's an, it's really amazing is what it is. Yeah, it is. And it, it wants me to go back to a question I wasn't going to ask when you when you kind of hit that up. When, when Coach Fox put his arm around you, can you physically or can you mentally take yourself back in time to that to that moment? hundred percent. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I, I, I was slouched over my body language. I mean. I just remember he was very intimidating. You know, I came from the north. I, I'm from the north. You can't tell by my accent. I'm from Richardson, never. Connecticut. Never, right? Yeah, I'm so, Johnson County, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, you know, but a lot of, he recruited up there, and a lot of us went down there, and I grew up saying, yeah, no, and, you know, cursing and all that stuff. Well, when you got to Wesleyan, it was, yes, sir, no, sir. You don't curse. You don't. And he knew that, and he just, it, it was almost like, I said, yeah. And he go, yes, sir. And oh, yes, sir. You know, so it was done in a way where I just, he had this presence about him. So I was very intimidated, right? Very intimidated, but it was because I had such respect for him, but he knew that. And because of that, he went out of his way and not just with me, with every player to make them feel comfortable. And I can remember it like it's yesterday, just having my shoulders shrug. I wasn't wasn't confident and I was probably being a baby you know I was immature I was freaking just turned 18 years old and and away from home and and here's this guy who speaks southern dialect that I can't even understand what he's saying and uh you know he's intimidating but um bridge man I can remember it like it's yesterday but I'll never forget it made me realize that great leaders coach the individual and not just uh, there's not a cookie cutter solution and, and you know, I take I ask you about going back in time. Like you talked about your shoulder shrug. I mean, can you feel his arm around you still to this day? Like hundred percent, hundred percent. It was it was like a, it was almost like honestly, that's why I say it was like my dad. It was it was like he didn't like put it on there in a creepy. It was like, dude, get in yeah. there. Like like we're yeah. gonna hug it out real quick. I, I love you. I lo he wanted to let me. To me, I felt like he cared about me. He cared about right. me as a human being is what it made me feel like. Yeah. It's powerful. Uh, you know, it's power. The human touch, man, is powerful. I mean, you know, it's you know, anchored you to the to that point. You, you had a uh, mindset shift and man, you're a new man. I mean, was it immediate right away? Did you start 
becoming more confident or did you have to I work ju- on it? I just started, you know, I, it made me not, I don't want to say it made, it made me not afraid of him. It made me less afraid of him. I had the same level of respect, but it was almost like the fear went away. You know, I was, I walked on eggshells and, and I think that's what he knew that, uh, that I was intimidated and I was clearly respected him, but there's a difference between having respect and being literally afraid. <laughs> I right. was just, I was a little bit afraid and it took away that, that fear that I had as a young kid. Right, right, right. Well, good stuff, man. I, I think that's, you know, people, people don't want to talk about that. I mean, you know, the, these feelings that you're anchored to, to your past, but you know, some, some of those are going to be, that's a, that's an example of a good one. And I want to tell you one that we heard yesterday from a, from a pitcher from South Carolina, his name's Kanan Cropper on, on that episode. He talked about, he had Tommy John. So for two months, he, he's, you know, he's getting fat. He knows yeah. it, but he's not saying anything. And then just one day, a guy's words, hey, dude, crop, you're getting a little, you're getting a little fat. And it sparks something in him. So it's, it's kind of the same. I mean, you know, he touched you and said, you, you need to you get over this. And, it, and, and that guy's words impacted that kid to lose 30 pounds, get back into the starting lineup and continue to play baseball and be even better than he was before. So, so I think that's important, man. People having those interactions and going back to those relationships, it's huge. I'll tell you one other quick story that uh, my buddies always make fun of me about. If you want, it's so coach, you know, telling me basically what it came down to is we had a couple catchers that came in. It was myself and and another guy from a good player um, from a junior college, Brian Wollston, great player. Anyway, we had an All-American on our team who could play basically anywhere. Uh, Jeremy Stewart, very good friend of mine. But we wanted him at third. Coach wanted him at third. If, if some other catcher can step up. Make a long story short, we're down in Florida on our trip. So they kept working me in to give me reps, yada, yada, yada. And Coach Long, happened. his father was ill or he passed away, and he wasn't with us on the trip. And uh, so I got my first college start. It was like in the sixth, seventh game of the year, and I have a great game. You know, Coach Fox not there. I go five for five. I, you know, I hit the crap out of the ball. And Coach Long, you know, tells Coach Fox, you know, Bones, you know, that was my nickname. He earned it, man. And so I go back home, and first conference weekend, dude, first conference weekend, it's raining out. I'll never forget it. I get to the field, and I hear, like, the upperclassmen going, dude, you're starting. And I'm like, oh, my – I mean, I, I I was so scared. Like, <laughs> it was almost like – and then the guy that's pitching, Jason Sigley, I love him. He ended up being an All-American. But it was raining out. It was, like, kind of misting, and it was cold. And and he threw – if he was off, his curveball would go, like, 52 feet. He wore catchers out sometime. And I was nervous. And make a long story short, I ended up – dude, I was behind the plate. Coach Fox is there. I'm starting, and I'm, I am i don't even want to be out there. I'm missing – I'm literally missing balls as they're being pitched to me. Like, I can't catch them. He gives me three innings, comes out, and he's like, you guys are putting on a circus out here. Laughs and takes me out. We end up winning the game. But my point is, why I bring that up is that experience made me realize, like, I earned the opportunity, but at that time in my life, I was not ready to be the starter on that team. I just was not – could I physically do it? Sure, I was not mentally ready for whatever reason. And I think it's important to remember as athletes and coaches, like as coaches especially, and even parents, sometimes kids need to grow up and they need to go through crappy experiences. But like after I went through that, it almost I felt comfortable knowing like, all right, I earned it, but I'm not quite there yet. And I'm ready to like, maybe I'll get another chance later on. Another. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does, yeah. But I just totally. wasn't mature yet. Kids mature at different times. I think that's important to remember. Well, here, here's something I, I would like to know from that 
did did you realize that then or did it take a few years to, to say oh man i really wasn't ready or did you think you were ready i did not think i it's hard, uh, to, hard to say huh <laughs> I, I will tell you this i i i was not ready i knew it was almost like i think about it right now it's almost like i knew i wasn't ready and i didn't want to be ready yet like i right. i I was, I became comfortable. I became like in that, my role that year, I became like the, as the year went on, the number one pinch hitter off the bench. Like I worked hard. I got spot starts. Again, I was a freshman on a team that just went to the college world series and we went back to it. Um, and I would be the first guy that would be called off the bench to hit. I got some more starts. So I earned my way. I felt like I earned my keep. I earned my teammates and coaches respect. And that was enough for me at that time. I knew when I came back my sophomore year that nothing was going to, I wanted to be a starter and that was it. I feel like nowadays, I, I don't know. Nowadays, it seems like everyone wants to start when they're a freshman. For me, I just, I don't know. Maybe I was, I don't know. I just, it was a different time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good point. So most times when we're faced with it, we can't really honestly reflect. I mean, we got, we got to say, looking back, I really wasn't ready. I thought I was yeah. ready. Or I was an I asshole as a kid. I mean, I can't believe I did that to my coach. I said that to my coach. I'd put <laughs> yeah. you kid in the face if he said that. No, I really wouldn't. But that's what I'd be thinking, right? Sure. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. It's, it's looking back that old hindsight being twenty twenty for a reason. Yeah, we, Doctor Rob Gilbert. We, you know, our clients are encouraged to call the Success Hotline every day. Just give them a good message today. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but uh, oh yeah, I've heard of it. He talks about that. Um, that's the good thing about the country. You hear the, the cars going by. The uh, let someone's hindsight be your foresight. So you know, he, you got twenty years on me. Not really, but. Uh, the mistakes you've made, you tell me about them, and I don't make those mistakes. I think that's important in the maturation and the growth. Well, I think it's important, and I think it starts at the house, man. I really think, you know, I, it's easy for you and I to talk about, and it's easy for coaches to say, and coaches have a humongous impact in, in the lives of, of the athletes they coach. But, you know, those parents, those guardians, the ones that are there every day, and, and, and taking an active interest, leading um, – you know, leading, but not taking the keys, right? Like, like opening doors, not, not doing it for them. And I think it's, it's reiterating. Uh, I heard a great, I heard a great, I, I interviewed um, uh, the assistant baseball, assistant softball coach from uh, UNCW yesterday. Um, and she, she gave Cam Tucker, she gave a great piece of advice, basically saying like, uh, you know, lead the kids there, but don't, you know, don't force them, ask them a question. You know, ask them, hey, do you want me to engage with you? Do you want, you know, do you, do you want to hear my feedback on this? As opposed to just, hey, I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. Hey, would you like to hear what, you know, would you? Because if kids say no, they say no. Like, parents, right. we don't, we don't have to be the role of coach and parent at the same time. I think it's yeah. important to remember that. Yeah. Coach Hauser, Clayton Baseball High School baseball coach. When I, when I did my internship, I love, I love being under him. You know, you think about your mentors in life. And he talked about that at the, at the parent meeting. Hey, I'm the coach. Let me do the coaching. Let the players play. Let the umpires ump. And you guys just be parents and fans. You know, let nobody cross lines. I thought that was that was pretty great. And I tried to use that in, in my coaching. Would you say that's pretty uh, standard for what you're thinking? I think it is. And I think it's just a matter of reiterating it, man. I think I think the more people hear it and it's such a simple message, you know, but um, I think it's like I said, it starts in the house. It starts it starts parents becoming educated like and I think it relieves. I know the reforms, but like I don't have to feel the pressure of being my kid's coach. You know, I don't. I shouldn't. You know, it's hard enough being a dang dad, let alone yeah. trying get to get them to the practice. Coach. 
Yeah, and that's, I got my own practice. What are you talking about? I got to get them to practice too. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it. it's and it's their own journey. You know, it's their own journey. So it takes a village to raise a child, and I think that's important to remember. At least so that's talk, what I believe. Yeah, and talking with you, I think you know, I've learned that it, it you don't need to live through your kids. You you've you've had your sports career. Oh, and, yeah. And, and let that hindsight be their foresight, but you can't force it on them because if you do, they're not going to perform because they're thinking that that voice that's should be theirs is is your parents voice in their head and they're like oh my i hear my dad that's not good that's not good either no you, your kid should be here kids should be hearing their dad telling them they love them and you know they're proud of them and uh it don't matter how you performed and and did you give your best effort did you have a great attitude were you a great teammate did you did you listen to your coaches did you you know did you respect the officials those are the things that really matter and those are the things that are going to serve you long after your athletic career as you know and, and just like talking about mindset it's Easy to say, hard to do. Have you found yourself, you know, as your kids are growing up, still kind of get that competitive? Hey, man, what are you, what were you thinking in the fourth inning? You know, and my boys wrestle. They don't even play baseball right now, and maybe that'll start with my younger ones. But where do they wrestle? Got, what high school? I'm sorry. They're at Laney High School. Yeah, right, solid, Laney. solid program. Yeah, they finished uh, third or fourth. They've won. They lost in the semifinals this year. Yeah, I had two states. Had, we wrestled them. Yeah, they had two state champs, so they had a they had a great year. So hopefully they'll be good if, if they have a season this year, God willing. Right. But um I think that um no, I you know when I get I get I, I for me, you know, for me now especially is you know, I, I try I really try hard not to intervene as far as anything that's to do with performance. Now, you know, I haven't had this problem in a while, but if my kids are showing poor effort or an attitude, especially body language, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to let the, if their coaches, let them know. Great. You know, but if, but if, you know, they go in the stands and they're acting a fool, well, I'm a parent. I'm so, I got to let my kid know that's unacceptable. And, and I, I'm, I believe as a parent, I'm doing my child a disservice. If I don't let them know that they look like an idiot for throwing something or, you know, being a bad, you know, being a bad sportsman, you know, it's, it's a bad look and you got to grow up. So um, if a coach is able to let, recognize that, sure. Then, but if there's times, you know, wrestling is sometimes you finish your match and, you don't got another match for a while and you're acting like a knucklehead. Well, you know, sometimes mom and dad got to let you know that that's not the way you're supposed to be. Right. I, I love that. You stay away from performance. You tell them you love them, tell them when they do, do a good job. But as a parent, you have to let them know when they show lack of effort, lack of hustle, lack of, of interest. Like you have to say, look, your body language wasn't really good. I mean, but that that's developed at home, like you said, and you gotta have that that rapport with your kids. Some parents don't have that, right? I mean, you know, it's it takes effort. You know, it takes a lot of effort, and uh, quite frankly, it's 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 exhausting. You know, but I heard a I heard a I heard a, a great tidbit from a client years ago when I had my first, and it was probably fifteen years ago. He said, "The greatest dividend you'll ever receive will be from your kids, and the no amount of money." you know, you ever make, you know, yada, yada, yada will make mean more to you than, than what you get from, you know, the children that you you're able to have. And uh, so I feel like you get out of it when you put into it. And I see it now. I see it. I've here's what I feel comfortable now. I used to say before I had kids, I'm like, man, I'm gonna have a son. He's going to be the quarterback in Notre Dame and he's going to get drafted in the first round. <laughs> Dude, I just want my kids to be self-sufficient, halfway decent. I want them to be good human beings who care about people greater than they care about themselves and and they're genuinely out there trying to serve others and uh having a good time doing it and, and that's honestly all that that matters it, it, nothing else does that's 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 yes beautiful i mean that's summed up with a bow tie right there i mean that's awesome um 
Well, look, I know you. I know you're busy. You're still in the car. I, I won't take a lot more of your time. Um, but Dude, if you we're were, good, man. This is my office, man. I told you, I got a bunch of kids running around like maniacs sorry. in there. This is where I do all my interviews, everything for right now. So, like, are you being? You're not driving, right? No, heck no. I'm sitting in my driveway. They're probably like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing my dad talking to everybody. No, I'm in my driveway. I'm in my parked car in my driveway. This has been the office for the, uh, the, the COVID-19 uh, I see. Office. I get that because I'm on a neighbor's back porch. Earlier, I was in another neighbor's garage. And I'm usually at nap time on the on my back porch. It's terrible. I need I need a home office. I've learned that. <laughs> for sure. And I would. My, my kids are up there. My youngest ones are taking a nap, so I don't want to be too loud right now. Awesome. Yep. How, and, and how old's the youngest? My youngest will be two next month. Two next month. So I got a little three-year-old boy running around crazy, man. That's awesome. But, but, but again, you get to spend more time. I, I, I kind of cram to do this stuff and and then spend some time with him. And it's tough because yeah. you want they're on their devices. And then you got to break that up. And that's sometimes even tougher, right? Yeah. And that's something my wife's a teacher. She's been teaching for 11 years, elementary. And that's something that we you know, we, we try, man, we really try to limit that stuff. You know, we, we do. And, um, we also don't want to make it so that they don't have that. So like right now we make it so, you know, you get to high school, you get a phone, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, whatever, but truth be told, man, for us, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's, I think there's something to be said about, about being held back a little bit about not getting everything right about, about earning it. Like my wife has always been a big thing about, you know, our kids should be doing chores. They should be, they should be doing things around the house. They should be contributing. And if they're not contributing though, when they get to the right age, which is now the oldest, like, you know, it's time to start getting a little job here. It's time to start learning some responsibility. My whole thing is I, I, I want to make sure my kids are self-sufficient. God forbid something were to happen to me and my wife, like, I feel comfortable that my three oldest can literally take care of themselves because, you know, my wife does a great job of showing them how to, how to be self-sufficient. I think that's our job as parents. Good stuff. And if, if you were a parent, uh, if you saw a parent acting crazy at a wrestling match, would you approach him or would you just kind of be like, hey, this guy right here is exactly what I'm talking about? I, I don't know if I'd uh, – that's an interesting question. Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting because I, I, you know, I, I, one time I was at a match and I saw no, someone acting you know, crazy and whatever, and I, I posted something on Twitter and Ben Askren retweeted it. And, and you have people you know, chiming in like, go break it up or go do something. Go, and I'm going – Okay, when I do now, if there's a physical altercation, number yeah. one, that's different. But I'm not I, that now. I'm I'm potentially escalating a heightened situation and making it even worse. So what what is that? Am I going to go fight somebody? So I don't know if that's in the best interest of, you know. I think cooler heads prevail, and I think ultimately, uh, you know, of course, if there's ever a situation where a child's in danger, that's a whole different ball of wax. But I don't think it makes a lot of sense to make a scene ten times more of a scene. Um, you know, because you got little kids around. I think each each situation is probably you have to assess it. But um, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's a tough question, man. I guess it depends on. Because I mean, you've never been there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what if they were? You know, if, obviously, if they're attacking your kid verbally, then you then now you're gonna step up and jump in there, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, attacking my kid verbally. I mean, yelling obscenities at him. I mean, yeah, of yeah. course. Hopefully, he'd yeah. be going. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little, I would have to probably say, dude, what are you serious? Like, and I, and I've seen, and I've seen parents, listen, you have kids and they participate in, in sports where, you know, you're going to run into, you're going to run into, to, to inappropriate stuff. And, uh, yeah, if anyone's cursing at the kids, I mean, come on, someone's got to let them know. I mean, 
Yeah, that you got me thinking. I'm trying to. Now I'm walking through a hundred different scenarios. We can have a whole conversation yeah, right. about each one of those. Take you down a rabbit hole. We don't want to go. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's good stuff. Um, well, so so if you were to say mindset, the one thing that somebody needs in their mindset tool bag, what would that one thing be? I think vulnerability. I think vulnerability and I love vulnerability because it, it gives you the ability. If I, if I, it's a subservient, if I'm vulnerable, I'm going to allow you to coach me. I'm going to allow you to instruct me. I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow some, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to tell you what's bothering me. I'm not going to bottle it up. And I think at times and I can only again, I can only speak from my own experience. I was always afraid to tell you what was on my mind when I was a younger kid because I, I was afraid of failure, afraid of letting you down or, you know, this insecure type thing. And it kind of grew out of me, but I grew out of it a little bit. But I think there's something to be said about leadership leaders who have the ability to know. I think great leaders know what they know and know what they don't know. And I don't think they're afraid to admit what they don't know. And I think that's a sign of strength. I think it's a sign of strength to admit that you have issues or something's bothering or you don't know something. So I think being vulnerable from a mindset, if I'm vulnerable and I allow you to coach me and I, if I'm a, let's say I'm an all American, all state, whatever. And I go, you know, you're, I don't always want to be the biggest fish in the smallest pond in order to grow as an individual. I got to be willing to get uncomfortable being uncomfortable. I think a lot of that requires you to be vulnerable and allow others to influence you. Yeah. And, and others will help you at that point. They see that vulnerability and it, it brings people together. That's a, that's sure. a great point. Um, and, and talking of ego, you know, your ego's got to go away to be vulnerable. You can't, you've got to, you got to hear the truth and, and be able to you know, process it normally yep. and not let it eat you up inside. I mean, it's, that's huge. I like that. I like that. Um, I know you're very visual. Could talk about coach Fox. Is there any other superpowers you have? <laughs> I mean, uh, superpowers. Um, I, I will tell you though, from, from, uh, as far as wrestling is concerned and why I fell in love with the sport. And I think this is important and I'm a big, I love wrestling so much. It's because I think it's, you know, and I, it was the first sport that I ever introduced my kids to where I had a difficult time seeing parents or others blame others for lack of something, you know, baseball, right? I can, I can, you hear people say all the time, Oh, if the coach, you know, pitched this kid, or if the kid didn't make this error, there's always finger pointing going on. Like, Oh, if, if this, if the umpire didn't do this. And I feel right. like we, we sell that to our kids to make them feel better about whatever it is that they're dealing with wrestling. I was like, Oh my God, like, you got pinned. Well, why'd you get pinned? Well, the kid's better than me. Great. Like, if you want to get better, go get better. You know, <laughs> I, like, it almost felt like it took all the excuses away. And I think there's so much to be said about kids needing to go through adversity. Like, so you talk about superpower, man, vulnerability. Like, let the kids fall down. Let them, let them know what it feels like to, to screw up. Like, don't shelter them from because I think and I've talked to enough Olympians I've talked to enough professional athletes coaches man where you can almost handicap the kids if you, they don't know how to deal with struggle if they don't know how to deal with what it feels to be pushed 
and what it feels to be competitive and what it feels to have to go earn something, then they're going to struggle as, as they get older. Cause that's just, that's life. That's life. You got to learn how to work. Now I'm not saying you throw your four-year-old in the pool and tell them to go figure out how to swim. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm saying like, you know, if my kid's 10 years old and they're not starting, well, instead of going and starting my own team, you know, why don't I tell them, Hey, you want to get, you want to start on this team? Like you got friends here, like go be, or go to a different position, like help and encourage your kids to think outside the box rather than right. prepare the kid for the path rather than prepare the path for the kid. And I don't know if it's a superpower now. It's a super quote that I did not make up, but I read somewhere and I think it's great. Yeah. Hey, we'll coach you on it because I, I've never heard it. I like it. Um, <laughs> might have to say it again. Cause I don't, I don't know if I'd get it right, but don't uh, prepare your child for the path. Don't prepare the path for your child. Right. Yeah. And that talks about everything you've mentioned today. I mean, uh, you know, everything, the little things, letting them grow, letting them learn, letting them be kids, let them be adults, let them be humans. Um, yeah. And, and humans who are, you know, learn from their mistakes are usually the better humans. You got, you got to, you got to be able to grow. That's awesome. All right. Well, anything you want to end up with, man, I love what you're doing, Chase. I'm grateful for you reaching out. I'm a big fan of the whole mindset crew, Jay Conter, Mike Moore, uh, Gene Zanetti, uh, Jeff Zanetti. And of course you Chase love what you guys are doing. Love your message. I don't think it gets talked about enough. The mindset. It's the, I talked to, I, any athlete you ask, Scott Pollard, right? Scott Pollard played in the NBA, played against yep. Shaq, played against, played with LeBron. Scott Pollard, Boston Celtic, 2007. Now he's on our advisory board. I asked Scott, what's the biggest difference between someone who gets to the NBA D League and or a minor leaguer versus a major leaguer? It's not physical. It all has to do between the years, man. What separates the goods from the greats, the pros from the minor league type, 90%, 99.9% of the time, it's what's going on between your ears, so keep preaching what you guys are doing. It's a great system. And uh, I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to come and speak. Heck yeah. And I'd love to use that if, if you don't mind as a testimonial at some point, that's, that was well said. And I appreciate that. Um, from all the guys here at mindset, it sounds like, you know, a lot. And I'm, I'm so honored to be able to interview today. Um, we appreciate your time, Nick, and keep doing what you're doing with the reform sports parent. I love it. And I'm just going to keep spreading your message too, because the parents need to hear it. Well, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you very much. Let's do this again. Yes, sir. Take care. You bet. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.